welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hey, Diane, my (laughs) T-twin. Hi, Jen. Coming to you from my closet. (laughs) <laughs> From your closet. Closets are such a good place to record. I think I think our, our listeners are going to really appreciate the fact that you're in a closet today. Yeah. I said before we started recording that like it's actually kind of cozy in here. I've got like clothes on either side of me and I'm just like I'm just chilling. There you go. Tell me a little bit about the tea that you're drinking because I have a story about this tea I want to tell oh, you. Oh, well, first I want to show you my mug because it's so cute. Oh. It's actually, can you see it? It's a little cat. Oh, it's very cute. Right? It was actually a gift from our sister-in-law, Stephanie, a long time ago. So Excellent job, Stephanie. (laughs) A good mug is worth every penny. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. So a good mug, like good tea, is worth every penny. So let me tell you about this tea that I have because I feel like I need to take an opportunity to plug it. So I recently fell into the rabbit hole, the delightful rabbit hole that is TikTok. Yes, you were it's telling me. It's just so me. much better for me than Facebook. Facebook made me feel bad about myself. TikTok just makes me feel good. Like it, the algorithm knows who I am. And it led me to this tea creator, an artisanal tea creator in Seattle. Her shop is called Friday Afternoon. And she has a specific form of synesthesia where she can taste words and names and ideas. What? And she cre- I know. And she created this trilogy of teas called the holy trinity and this is called mercury and it is it's got gold luster dust in it and it is in homage to freddie mercury how cool is that and the other two in the trilogy are stardust for david bowie and purple for prince and they're all so good so go check out friday afternoon Get some tea for yourself. You can even pay her like $75 and she will make you your very own tea blend based on any idea, thought, phrase, person that you describe. I love this. She's amazing. I just like, I'm such a TikTok crush. So anyway, that's what I'm so cool. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm a total tea nerd, as you know. So I'm like very into this. You definitely have to Mm -hmm. like plug her in the show notes or something. Oh yes, for sure. I will link to her. We we might do a little promo for her too, because I just, I want to find really cool, authentic and offbeat creators who we can like push people to. So highly recommend Friday afternoon. So anyway, Let's segue on over to our mom moments. Let's do it. I feel like I feel like I go first a lot. Do you want to go first? I can go first. Actually, Diane, I have a special surprise for you today. Are you ready? A surprise? A surpri- I, love I have a surprise. Surprises. <laughs> so, Diane, my surprise for you today is that I have gotten a recorded mom moment from my good friend Rachel. Oh my God. Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. So let's listen to Rachel's mom moment and then we can talk about it. Hey guys, I wanted to share my mom moment with you. So about a year ago, um, I, have, I have two kids. Um, they're three and five. And about a year ago, my son, who is the three-year-old who sleeps on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed, kicked a hole in our like antique plaster walls. And um, 
I honestly, I don't know when it started because of how like bunk beds are shaped. You can't see in the wall unless you really climb in bed, which we don't. And I just put him to bed one night and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a hole in your wall. And I called my husband up to help me. And it was like the size of a dinner plate. And so we taped a piece of paper over it and, you know, chastised him for, for puncturing the wall. And I think honestly, he probably just kicked it you know, once or twice, but he's a picker. So then I went pick, 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 and it got to be the size of a dinner plate. So the next day we like properly put a poster over it, like Shawshank Redemption and taped all around it. And there it has stayed for uh, a year. And the poster is getting full of plaster that's coming off the wall, um, but it's all, you know, nicely sealed in there with, with tape. So that, I guess, is my moment one. Um, my son secretly made a large hole in the wall like he was in prison. And then the, the second mom moment is I started to uh, think about repairing the wall this year and realized that um, the room is so small that we'll probably have to disassemble the bunk beds, which we built in the room, in order to fit like a piece of sheetrock and a workman or two in there. So that started to spiral into a giant project. And I realized that they have like an unfinished pine bunk bed and that I could just put shiplap on the back of the wall or on the back of the bed, like post to post and build in like a cozy little fort into their bed. And it looks really nice. And it took us like 20 minutes to do and cost us like 50 bucks. And there is still a hole in the wall behind the shiplap, but it looks beautiful now. And we can properly fix it later when our kids are not um, rambunctious little ones who might just kick another hole in it by mistake. So that is my mom moment too, a tidy, easy repair, which is not hardly ever the case in my house. So enjoy my silly story about holes in the walls and repairs. Bye. Oh my God. I love it. Yay. So yes, thank you, Rachel, for calling in and sharing your mom moment with us. You're you're always good for a good story. And so I'm glad that you were able to share one on the show. That's so Yay. funny. And it make I feel like I loved the second story because it was like it just that kind of win that like mm-hmm. like a cheap, good fix like that feels so good. Oh, yeah. But I loved the first one because it's like you always think like, oh, only my kid would do something like that. But it's nice to hear like someone else like that their kid also does these yes. crazy things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they all do. Yeah. I love the little hidden like I did something really naughty and I haven't told you about it. But one day you're going to find the evidence. And <laughs> it's just like I find things like that in my house constantly. <laughs> well, and, and I was guilty of that as a child. Maybe I should make this. Well, it's not a mom moment. It's like a child moment. But when I was little, I broke like this cookie jar that it had some type of sentimental value to my father. And I was so afraid of him finding it and yelling at me that I hid it in my closet thinking like, well, it'll just be gone. And then they won't like, <laughs> they won't ask me about it. And of course, like they were like, where's the cookie jar and found it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's uh. rough. <laughs> Yeah, this morning I went outside because all like I now all of the things are growing. It's springtime and everything's growing. Yeah. And I went out and I have all these hyacinths in my front yard. I've never had hyacinths before. And they're like one of the most beautiful flowers. And I love them in springtime. And I'm walking around and I realized that like all of the little flowers on this 
stem of the hyacinth have been picked off the top half. And I was like, is there a rabbit coming around just eating the top halves of my hyacinths? What kind of a monster would do this? And Emma's (laughs) behind me and she's like, mommy, I've been picking them. I'm putting them in the lighthouse. And then she brings me over to this like silly garden lighthouse, like like a little tchotchke lighthouse, pulls off the top and it's just full of hyacinth flowers. (laughs) I was like, what is wrong with you? That's hysterical. I just love them. I'm like, okay, fine. That's so funny. Why don't you Why don't you go ahead with your mom moment? Okay, so uh, my mom moment was just that we had Easter, Mm -hmm. and um, because my dad and my stepmom are fully vaccinated, my and then everyone else, like my brother, his boyfriend, and Chuck and I, we all at least have had we had had our first shots for like at least two weeks. We decided we would do something in my backyard, so we were still outside, but we could all, like, be together, and Mm -hmm. it was the first time we were all together since, like, maybe September. Oh, wow. And when I tell you, the look on Rainey's face, when my brother walked in first with his boyfriend- Uncle Deakley. Uncle Deakley and Andrew. (laughs) And when then when my dad walked in like five minutes later, she could not believe that like all her favorite people were there at the same time. And she was like just going, it's a Deakley, it's a Andrew, it's a grandma, it's a pa. Like she just kept going like around the room, like naming everybody. She was so excited. And then she was just like running around, like screaming. And then we were able to do an Easter egg hunt because last mm-hmm. year we didn't do anything for Easter. Yeah. We, it was just the three of us. And also she was so little. So we didn't like we like barely celebrated. I don't think we did anything. But this year I hid Easter eggs in the backyard and she was totally into it. And she was looking for the Easter eggs. It was just like a breath of fresh air of yeah. like I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. And like we're not there yet and we still have to be diligent and, yep. you know, do all the things. Mm-hmm. But it was really nice to have that taste of a little bit of normal. A little bit of normal. I know. Yeah. Those are magical moments right now. <laughs> it was really, really nice. Like it brought like a tear to my eye. It yeah. It, as it should. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have a mom moment or are you just using? Uh, the, just the hyacinth story is fine for me. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. I am so glad you have a topic, and I cannot wait to hear it. So that's great. This is uh, so. This one just sort of like fell into my lap. I was just sort of trying to think about what are quintessential American newborn things, mm-hmm. and I suddenly thought to myself, "Wait, wait, <gasps> the American hospital nursery." And there's a story there. Wow. <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> so we're going to talk about hospital nurseries and their history. Oh, I'm so excited. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty good one. And there's it's not a bummer. <laughs> like, all of it's pretty good. Thank so God. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is a good one. Let's do it. So as you know, prior to the 20th century, it was uncommon, it was less common to have a baby in a hospital unless there mm-hmm. was something like really wrong. You were having a baby at home. Uh, so hospital nurseries before the 20th century really didn't exist. It wasn't until the shift towards hospitals that nurseries were created. And as they built new buildings, they put these spaces inside of them for the nurses to take care of the babies. 
So they were trying to figure out how to build these spaces in a way that would like meet the needs of the hospital, meet the needs of the babies, meet the needs of the nurses. And so th- there were different approaches to how to do this. And then in 1943, there was a publication uh, that was a um, collaboration between the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Bureau, which said that, quote, a viewing window should be provided between each nursery and nurse's station and one between each nursery and the corridor so that relatives may see the infants without coming in contact with them. So that's like the real big thing with nurseries is that there's always a giant window, right? And... This statement makes it sound very much like the purpose of the window is to protect the babies from meeting lots of new people because that's how infection spreads and all that stuff. But what I found is that the actual history suggests that that's actually like a complete misrepresentation because if you really wanted to keep the babies safe – you would not put a window up. It would just be walls. Yeah. (laughs) It would just be walls. Like the windows are harder to make. It's you made the windows for social reasons because it would, you know, make people happy. Yeah. Not because there was any, you know, real, like real benefit to, to like the health of babies. So historically, why was it that there was this belief that having a window would be something that people would like. Can you guess why at that time they were like, we should make it possible to see the babies? Now, what year was this? It was in like the 1940s. What was really popular in the early 20th century where you could go and look at babies? Oh, my God. The um, the baby shows? Yeah, the incubator shows. <laughs> oh, my God. Like the Coney Island one that we talked yeah. about. So like they knew that people loved, like loved going to see babies. So why don't we put one of those in every single hospital? Oh, that makes sense. But where like you can just see good, happy, healthy babies and it'll just make people feel good. And there wasn't any limitation on who could go and see them. Like Really? Yeah. Like you could just go in off the street and go look at the nursery ward. Like there wasn't any like you can't go in if unless you know someone who's there. Like if you were in another part of the hospital visiting someone, you could go to maternity and look at the babies. So it was really like this place where people could just go and see new life. Because babies make make you happy. Babies just make you happy. So there are all of these videos and advertisements, all kinds of stuff from that time, from like the 40s through the 60s, of people meeting babies through windows at nurseries. Like that was the primary way that people met newborns. In fact, every day a baby would have a specific viewing time. And so if you were the family of that baby, you'd go at that time and the nurse would, for 30 minutes or whatever, hold the baby in front of the window, like right at the window. Instead of the baby being 20 feet away, that specific baby had its window of time where it would be held up at the window for the family to see. So these were called intimate viewings. And you can actually see videos on YouTube of intimate view- viewings where, like, families are meeting the baby for the first time. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. But this is also... That is funny. The, the Usually the only way 
that fathers met their babies before leaving the hospital. Oh, my God, because they're not in the delivery room. They're not in the delivery room. They're not in the maternity room. They're like men were just not allowed. That is so bizarre to right? me. There's a an advertisement for life insurance that was really popular. I think it was in Life magazine. And it's an image of this man in like a suit and tie looking lovingly into his little baby's brand new eyes. And it's just like, you see a beautiful baby. He sees the rest of his life or like something like that. And like oh. an ad for life insurance, you know. And But it was Classic. so ubiquitous in our society that like that was how we were advertising life insurance was look at this nursery window. You all know this image. Huh. It's really interesting. Like you'd never see an advertisement now. With babies in in a nursery window, you know? No. So in California, so we'll talk about two specifically interesting things that came out of California hospitals. So the first is this thing called the Baby Showcase, which I thought was fascinating. So basically, it's a, it's a recessed window. So the window goes into the nursery. Okay. And a father can stand, and it's like a viewing platform, so they can slide the the bassinet underneath the viewing window, and so the father can look down over his baby. So instead of a straight window, it would be this, like, window that was, like, so you could, like, look over and see the baby from right up above. So they created that in a hospital in California, which I thought was very sweet. It's sweet, but it's also a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, like totally normal to just like have this distance from babies at that time and not just for fathers for mothers as well so this is the the second thing we're going to talk about what what happened as a result of having these nurseries you know so like you've got like 40 years where you're using hospitals more you have these nurseries where babies are kept before that they just were with their mothers in the bed that they got birthed in yeah that's just where they were for like days weeks whatever and there were all these support people around and family and they'd take turns taking care of the baby and there was none of that in the hospitals woman by herself sometimes with like a female like her mother or a best friend or something in the hospital with her but, but that was it and the nurseries were being used to care for the babies because it was so clinical and and usually the mother couldn't like care for the baby right away afterwards because of all the drugs that were being used. And so then you had this separation of baby and mother. And so in 19, when was it? The 1950s, I think. I forgot to write down the year. So there was this this MD named John G. Smilly, I think, S-M-I-L-L-I-E, who's a pediatrician at the Kaiser Permanente Hospital in Oakland, California. And he read an article that summarized some research that was done at Yale that showed the benefits of rooming in, right, which is now standard. Mm-hmm. But then it wasn't. And he was like, there's so much evidence from this study that this is like a good thing. We've got to do this. So he went and talked to one of the co-founders of the hospital, Sydney R. Garfield, and they introduced this new thing, which is fascinating, called baby in a drawer. Have you ever heard of this? It's where you can slide the baby from the mom's <laughs> room to the nursery, yes. right? Where have I heard of this? I mean, I saw it in Mad Men. Yes. Yes. That's where it was. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So an episode of Mad Men where, like, 
the mother's sitting in the bed, like smoking a cigarette and just like pops the baby in the drawer. So in California, there were three new hospitals being built by this like hospital conglomerate, you know, whatever it was. And what they did was they started making, they decided, all right, for the maternity wards, we're going to build the nursery and then we're going to build eight maternity rooms around the nursery. And each maternity room will have like a filing cabinet drawer it, that was literally what it was that will open and there will be a bassinet inside of it and the mother can have access to the baby. And then if she like doesn't want to have access to the baby anymore, she can just pop it in and it goes right back into the nursery. It's like straight to the nurse. And it made things so much more efficient. It made things easier for new mothers. It gave them the control of like, I want to see my baby. I don't want to see my baby. It led to increases in breastfeeding. It led to increases in bonding, wow. healthier babies. Like it was a great, a great invention. I don't know if it lasted much longer beyond that because then yeah. like rooming in became like a, just a thing. So we didn't have the drawers anymore. I kind of <laughs> wish we still had the drawers. <laughs> right. So now we're going to talk about sort of like where we've come with this. Right. So nurseries are less and less popular nowadays and this is partially because of research that has said that rooming in is so beneficial and so good for babies and mothers and all of this and there was a piece written in 1991 by the world health organization called uh or not a piece written it was a an initiative called the baby friendly hospital initiative aha uh -huh. yes i know about this yes so it encourages rooming in and breastfeeding and all that business. However, there are a lot of people that contend that this is not a great approach uh, for a number of reasons. And so let's talk about some of the some of the people who are against this initiative. A lot of it comes back to the nursery window is this feel good place in hospitals and offering something important to people who are in the hospital for less happy circumstances. So there were two articles that were written in 2002. This was like when this was getting a lot of attention. So the first is from the American Journal of Maternal and Child Nursing. There was a nurse named Dottie James who said, in some hospitals, the nursery window has become a destination for patients and families from other parts of the hospital experiencing a health crisis. Standing outside the nursery, seeing the babies who have their lives before them can give hope to families trying to cope. And then a hospital administrator Michael Basked said in another article in 2002, for people where things are not going well, we recognize they would be attracted by the beauty of birth. Sometimes people need to go from the sad, depressing side of the hospital to the happy side. Babies put things in perspective. Aww. So yeah, there's, so there's a lot of like general good that comes from having nurseries. I mean, there are definitely risks to having them and to letting just anybody be in that space. Yeah. But I think in some ways, you know, if you can create a safe environment, it can be a, a nice little like community service. So what are the other reasons why not having nurseries can be a problem? For one, it means there is no break for new parents. And yes. that can be horrible. <laughs> I remember that really well. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun not having the option of being able to say, please, can you take my baby for a few hours so I can sleep, please? I just went through labor and or major surgery. Please take this baby from me. Like, 
Because I, I think... I think what the whole baby friendly initiative was missing, in my opinion, from my experience, was mm-hmm. that when people used to have babies at home and they would just keep the baby with them, they were surrounded by like the women yeah. in their family mm-hmm. and like, you know, all this help, right? Yep. Like the mother and the siblings and everybody would kind of rally around this person. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the hospital, it's just like you or you yeah. and your partner. Mm-hmm. And that's really, like, it's hard and you're exhausted, but it's also really isolating. You're, like, yeah. you're with this brand new human that you don't know yet. Yeah. And it's it's also – it comes from this place of, of, like, privilege and family normativity that is really, I think, pretty insensitive because if you're a single mother or if you're someone who's chosen to have a baby on your own – or you're not close with your family. So, so many things. You're there all by yourself and you yeah. have no one. And you just have a nurse coming in every so often to check on you. And that's, I can't imagine what that must be like. And I, I'm glad I don't have to ever experience that. But it frustrates me that it seems like that wasn't even a thought. <laughs> no, no, so. it wasn't. It was just let's just think about the women who have some man with them who who can right. help take care of the baby. There are so many other scenarios outside of that and that they weren't considered is sort of I mean, I guess very like early nineties and we should just do better. I mean, yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about my so my experience at the hospital where so we had all three of our kids at the same hospital and there are two things about the hospital that that came to my mind as I was doing this research. The first is that they had a nursery, but for all three of the births, I never saw another baby in it ever mm-hmm. because rooming in was so – It like we always had our kids with us. At nighttime, <laughs> we would usually be like on, – on like the third night, we'd be like, can you just you just take her overnight? We'll see her in the morning. Yeah. You know, it was like they would, you know, I'd like pump enough to be able to give them some milk and be like, here you go. Bye. <laughs> and uh, and we did that with all three of them like at night. But if in the, during the day we walked by the nursery, there were never any babies in there. And it was a small hospital. There were usually only like two or three babies on the mm-hmm. floor at any given time anyway. But I never saw a baby in that nursery, which I thought was always really strange and eerie walking by it. I'd be like, why are there no babies in there? The other thing that the hospital did that I just thought was the most special thing, and maybe other hospitals do this, but I just, it it was such an awesome thing, I thought. And I noticed it when I went for the like new parent childbirth classes that you take, like before you have your first kid. Mm -hmm. And it was held at the hospital and we're all like, you know, laying on pillows or whatever, practicing breathing. I'm just like, jeez, this is stupid. And, and all of a sudden, I hear in like this gorgeous little uh, like um, xylophony lullaby type music, Brahms lullaby playing over the loudspeaker. And I was like, what's that? And the woman running the class was like, oh, they play that over the entire hospital whenever a baby's born. <gasps> Isn't that so sweet? That is really sweet. I've never heard of that before. So I was like, that's kind of how the maternity ward can like 
bring the beauty and joy of new life to the whole hospital without having to bring the whole hospital into the maternity ward. What a great idea. Right? I wish every hospital did that. It's just so sweet. Like, you could be in there experiencing the worst moment of your life and then hear that and be like, oh, a new baby was just born. So That is so sweet. Yeah. I'm sure there are probably... You can't do it in a really big hospital because you also probably have people who, like, came in and just lost a baby. And so you don't want to, like, be playing that and being like, a baby was born. And they're like, I just lost my baby. Um, So you have to – I think, like, at this place it was small enough that they could do that and it it, it probably wasn't going to, like, be traumatic for anyone. Yeah. The last thing that I wanted to mention is just that – so. I was looking at different articles about nurseries and and then I found some current articles about how this thing that we haven't used in like two or three decades now within the last like year has seen like a resurgence in use because the pandemic has forced more babies to stay in nurseries because hospitals have in some places have decided to keep mothers and babies separated to stop the possibility of spreading the virus. So until they get a negative COVID test back from the mother, they'll keep the baby separate. So now you have all these nurseries being used and full of babies. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't know that it's common practice here in America, but certainly like just about anywhere – during the height of the pandemic, you couldn't have someone with you while you Mm-mm. were giving birth. <sighs> I knew a few people who had to do that. And I was just like, I, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> so can't imagine. This just, just sounds like a nightmare. And I think this is a this is an episode that we should do coming up is just essentially like how has the pandemic caused us to backslide within the birthing industry around, you know, like who's allowed to be there at the birth and letting mothers be with their babies and rooming in and all that stuff. And, you know, we've, we've really gone, gone backwards in some really profound ways. And that's just so strange to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or just, just the fact that hospital staff is stretched so thin that I, you probably don't see a nurse as often as usual. And also, yeah. if you're not having a C-section, I know someone who gave birth in New Jersey during like the height of the pandemic, and she gave birth vaginally and was in the hospital for a day. Yeah. They sent her home like the next morning because they were mm-hmm. like, we don't want you in here. We don't want you <laughs> in here where you can get sick or the baby can get sick. Yeah. So there's that. And the other thing that has happened as a result of the pandemic is – the instances of C-sections have gone up tremendously Mm. because if you're having a C-section, it's like a clean room. Everyone is like decked out and it's quick. It's like 30 minutes in and out. If you are in labor, there's heavy breathing, there's sweat, there's all up in each other's business and you can't keep that room clean to save your life. No. So – the number of women who have had non-medically necessary C-sections during the pandemic as a result of being careful has gone way up. Ugh, a lot of people that, who would not have had C-sections 
have had them and that makes me sad that makes me really sad so i mean like it's fine if you like i I had three c-sections they were medically necessary though if somebody told me we're going to give you a c-section it's not medically necessary but it's safer for our hospital staff and it's quick (laughs) i would be i would be heartbroken yeah that's just awful so if that happened to you listener or you know, you know someone it happened to, our heart goes out to you. I'd, I'd love to hear from people if they did give birth during the pandemic, their their birth stories. And I feel like if we do an episode or a series of episodes on how the pandemic has affected birth, it might just be interesting to get some anecdotal yeah. information, yeah. you know? Yeah, if you have any stories about your experiences having a baby or being pregnant um, or having a newborn during the pandemic... Um, We'd be super interested to hear about your experiences. Yeah. That's all my research. That's that was it. great. Thank you. <laughs> I liked it. It was stuff that I knew, some of it, but I had not thought of. Like, oh, I've I've seen, like, I was thinking of the first episode of This Is Us. I know mm-hmm. not everybody watches that show, but uh, <laughs> I've only seen like the first two episodes. I really need to watch it. It's really it, every episode makes you cry. And it's like, why am I watching this? But Milo Ventimiglia is so I love hot. him so much. <laughs> I just love him so much. I just watch it for him and Mandy Moore. She's so endearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the very first episode is like the dad, Jack, like looking at the like in the baby window, the whole like sh- I don't want to spoil it. Did I tell you the first episode? Well, I mean, you probably already know the premise at this point. I mean, I do. <laughs> okay, spoiler alert! In the first episode, they they don't they make it really vague what the time period is. So you just assume it's present day, mm-hmm. and you're meeting all these characters, and you don't know how they're all intertwined. But at the end. They're in the hospital and the the three babies were born or whatever. And you start to realize that it's the 70s because there's this viewing window and he's like looking at them through this window. And then you see like the television and like what's going on in the news. But like it it, like puts it all into perspective. So like you see this stuff in the media, but you don't think about it anymore. It's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's what they used to do. Yeah. But to to think about the why was very cool. If you have any stories about your experience with birthing windows or uh, nursery windows, birthing windows. Oh, that sounds bad. (laughs) Your experience with nursery windows, if you've ever visited a baby through a nursing window or nursery nursery window, geez, Louise, (laughs) it's not even that late. Yeah, I know. I know. Certainly, I believe I saw one of maybe it was Chuck. Like the first time I saw him was through a nursery window. Probably. Pretty sure. So they were still like, like what was it, 90. So yeah, it was yeah. Still, still where everything was at. So yeah, I feel like if you've got a good nursery window story or uh, a story about getting to use the nursery or not getting to use the nursery or having to deal with all of this during the pandemic, give us a shout. You can send us emails at opdwpodcast at gmail.com and you can be like rachel and send us a mom moment what she did was she recorded it on her phone i believe just as like a a voice memo and attached it to an email and sent it Mm -hmm. over so it's very easy to do anyone can do it if you need help you can get in touch with us and uh send us those mom moments they're great and they're like a fun little addition and a way for us to involve all of you in in our show and yes. and to highlight your cool stories. Absolutely. And they don't have to be new mom moments. They could be like if you had babies 
20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. We want to hear it. Yes. All all mom moments from all times and places. And dad moments and auntie moments, anything. General parenting moments. We just want to hear it. We want your stories. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group and we're on Twitter and Instagram at OPW Podcast. And I'm going to try to see if maybe I can get us onto TikTok. Yes. Jen is going to so this. lame. <laughs> You're not lame. I'm lame because I'm very hesitant. Very hesitant. But but I trust I trust you and I'm gonna let you sort of lead the way in this in this area. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Forge a new path. <laughs> so if you're if you're listening to this from the future and you've found us through TikTok, welcome. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and I'm glad that my experiment worked. <laughs> and uh yeah, I think that's all the places. That's all the places. That's all the places that we are. One last request from us is we're always looking for great suggestions for new episodes. So if you have some topic that you're just dying to know more about and you want us to do the research for you and tell you all about the topic in our patented Jen and Diane adorable way, (laughs) send us a line, let us know what it is, and we got you covered. And our music is by Theo Rosenberg, who is actually in my basement right now. (laughs) yeah i feel so close to you i know now that like we're that will you know pretty much vaccinated and we they just are masked and six feet apart but they're doing like some mixing and stuff which is uh which is pretty cool so great um, oh my gosh theo is in the building (laughs) that's great all right jen until next time if you're gonna put a baby in a drawer make sure that it opens up to a nursing station please